Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm delighted that we're joined today by Farah Sayyid, who has done some amazing work on making art accessible. I first met Farah um, in July when we were running a workshop around art appreciation for blind and visually impaired people. And it, it was a great experience for me, one of the, actually the most fun I've had for a long time at work. So Farah, <laughs> yeah. Well, come on, getting messy and, and, and playing around with paint and, and what what could be better than than, than doing that. But, but in all seriousness, I think it was a really interesting day. Taught me a lot about live audio description. Um, and, and so thank you for agreeing to come on and, and talk to us about the work that you're doing to, to bring art appreciation to people with disabilities and particularly around sort of visual impairment and tactile art. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came in to be working in this field? Because it's quite a, an interesting and, and pretty niche area, which we find fascinating. Well, thank you very much. Um, firstly, thank you for the invitation to your wonderful AXS chat. It's, it's a real, um, you know, it's really, one. It's, it's wonderful to see people appreciate, uh, you know, when sharing something that we're all passionate about, which is accessibility. So um, how it all started was right from the beginning when I was creating abstracts, they were always very heavily textured. And I was, I used to use a lot, I, I, I use a lot of paint and I make um, indentations and markings with palette knives. So it's very textured materials um, on the canvas. And right from the beginning, I used to enjoy feeling the surfaces of the canvas because it was very, you know, sensory in a different way just by using sight. So in my exhibitions early on, I used to actually invite people to feel the surfaces using the sense of touch. And they'd be like, oh, I can touch the painting. You know, it would be a very interesting response because it's unusual for an artist to welcome anybody to touch the work, which I totally appreciate why. But I was using hardy materials. You couldn't hurt the paintings and, you know, it was fine. So that's what led me to wonder what would it be like if somebody was only experiencing the art using the sense of touch? Somebody who was blind or partially sighted. And um, this, all, this all happened when I lived in India, in Bangalore for a few years through my husband's works. We were there and a distant relative, um, my husband's side, knew somebody who was blind and they arranged a meeting. So they came. that person came over to, the home, to our home and um, I just sat with them and he was experiencing various paintings using the sense of touch. But what was astounding to me was his response. He, he had so many wonderful reactions, which were actually quite poetic, the way that he voiced them to me. Um, and all of my work is untitled, whether you're looking at it or feeling it. So it's the interpretation by the viewer or the person experiencing it with no limits. And that's what I love sharing with people. And it works really really well especially if you're only feeling the surfaces because the imagination is is just wonderful it really is so with no limits so that's what started it off um it's been an incredible journey since 2006 but um yeah i'll go into further details later but that's how it started wow thank you and 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 i can definitely relate to what you said about the sort of the poetry of the descriptions um as part of the workshop, because describing what happened at the workshop, we, you, know, you had blind and visually impaired participants, and then there were facilitators. So I was acting as a facilitator, someone with, with pretty much no vision, 
Uh, and so you were giving out various different tactile artworks for people to to explore and to describe. And then I was writing that stuff down and 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 it was really interesting to to hear just sort of the depth of the the descriptions and and the sort of the sort of metaphors that were coming up and the um, where the process of thinking about what this meant to them and to uh, to the person I was facilitating was then taking them on a, a sort of a journey and a thought process. Uh, for me, that was really interesting. Yeah. I think it was interesting to also observe people going through the thought process mm -hmm. because it was a thought process that they probably hadn't expected. Yeah. Um, so I think that was really interesting. Um, and also what was interesting was the <clears throat> intensity with which people experience this yeah. to the point where it almost became overwhelming after a while because you know several of the participants said oh, my fingers are now tired yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely neil and i mean we were we in each workshop i'm astounded by people's reactions and it's a level from somebody being quite intense quite descriptive and then somebody who isn't you know as comfortable to share from the start of the workshop but as the workshop goes on they become more and more comfortable and their the responses are more in depth so that's really interesting to observe as well but um Andy Shipley who you were assisting was um very very interesting with his responses and I was looking through the worksheets before and I just looked through them just today as well and that's the thing that piqued my interest right from the start is that this is something that I would really like to share on a much wider level so a few other things were happening at the same time um, where I then realized I need to put together a structured workshop and I want to share this um, to as many organizations, to people individually as possible. Um, so it, it was just wonderful to be able to see it through all from curiosity and, and a passion to make art accessible to all. So, you know, touch wood, it's all worked out very, very well so far and it's continuing to do so. I have a, a question comment. Uh, I know that my partner, um, Richard Streitz, is a former Disney Imagineer. And he would all, he's all, we talked about it a bunch. And he's talked about how when they were planning the magical experience of Disney, they really consider all of the senses, all the things that I don't think about. You know, I, I, I don't even know that I'm maybe experiencing it when I'm there. You know, uh, what, it, what is, the um the air you know is it is there um a touch of water in the air you know what mm -hmm. uh, what do you feel i mean just I, i'm not even going to do this well but there are so many senses that we use and we use them in different ways and so one thing i love about what you're doing is that you are very focused on the senses right yeah. so it's like just because i'm blind doesn't mean that I can't appreciate music or art or anything else in the world. And so it seems to me that what you're sort of validating is how important it is for us to care about all of our senses and to remember, even if you don't have one of your senses or partially don't have it, you still can experience so much beauty. And it just seems to me that that is 
part of what you're doing, but I wasn't in the workshop, but I want to be in the workshop. But I mean, am I, am I going in the right direction? You absolutely are, Deborah, for sure. Because if every workshop that I did, uh, that I conducted empowered me even more to continue because I would have responses from people. I mean, this is, this happened a lot in the far East because I've delivered workshops in Malaysia, Singapore and Hong Kong. And I got responses which were along the lines of, Nobody has ever bothered to ask us about art, let alone let us touch it, let alone even wanting to know what we felt about it. So that sense of empowerment that I saw right from the beginning of my journey with this was just wonderful and sad as well, because, you know, these are people who hadn't experienced these things before. And I'm hoping that they did after. But that's what that's what drove me to continue. and it was interesting that when I was delivering workshops in uh, countries such as Australia and the UK and um, the States, there were a lot more facilities for people who were blind or partially sighted in comparison to various other countries where I've delivered. So that keeps me going to want to continue doing that. But yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely important to be able to have art accessible to all in various situations, whether it's museums or galleries or you know different workshops that are available but it, it oh, why why because I know, being, I know i'm being um uh, no i like it yeah and i, like I want to say richard yeah. is my business partner not my partner he actually has another partner so sorry um, neil was harassing me in the background saying uh, you said partner i meant my business partner sorry <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. That's fine. I, I did whatever it is, but it's fine. Thank you, Deborah. Sorry. So your question, should I answer it? Please. Okay. So the reason the, the question is why my answer is because art enriches us on so many levels. It is it's it's beneficial for us to improve our mental health and our physical health. It's uh, it gives us a, an escape from day to day life. Um, it alleviates stress instantly. It makes you happy very quickly if you're immersed in art. Creating art is wonderful. It's very therapeutic. And, you know, it's it's also empowering, especially for children as well and for everybody. But that's why it is important for it to be accessible for all. And, yeah, that's what my passion is. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Good. And Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, I could continue talking crazy, but if you have a question, okay. okay. So, based uh, in in your experience and the way how you were and um, engaging with with people were in in your workshops, how how do you see uh, these methods being embedded on education in order to you know in order to empower and to somehow provide opportunities for people with disabilities? become artists how, how, how do you see that uh, and how can that unfold opportunities for people to be able to express themselves as artists yeah no that's it's a wonderful question Antonio and I have worked with many specialist schools with children and teenagers where they were creating art from because uh, my workshop is in three sections so once they've experienced it the um, joys of different textures and then the color recognition aspect which we'll talk about soon when they're creating art after having done those two sections they feel a lot more empowered and they feel 
that there that is a lot more limitless um, to create something that they were then going to be able to share with their family and friends. And I have had experiences where after workshops, people have said to me, look, I really want to explore this further. And I even had one person, um, well, various people, but particularly what, what I always remember is I had a participant in Sydney for Vision Australia, who, because she could recognize color energies so perfectly and accurately, she actually went on to become a color a color um, therapist. So many examples are there. Thank you. Yeah, many examples are there. And I deliver workshops at mainstream schools as well. And it's wonderful to empower children, um, some with additional needs, some with not, to be, you know, enthusiastic about creative, about the creative industry. Because um, in the UK, for instance, there have been so many cuts in the curriculum in the arts. It's sad, so sad. And, um, you know, the creative subjects are just like siphoned off. It's just, you know, and it just seems that they don't have that um, uh, access to the arts anymore. So if I can go and do a few um, workshops or a project with the school, then the enthusiasm is just wonderful. It really is. So um, I'm continuing to do those projects as well. But that, for me, would be the answer to your question, Antonio. It's about the empowerment and the access to having arts and getting that creativity ignited. Uh, there's there, there's a, an element uh, that I, I would like to also I'm curious about is about uh, about the cost when you are doing this type of activities are we talking materials that are costs a lot of money uh, are you able to improvise because uh, I think that that's another element of access and affordability that make this spread and make it to be more used by more people as well. Yes, of course. I mean, when I did my workshops, when I did a tour of Australia in the Far East, second time round and the first time round, um, I mostly funded it myself because I had solo shows in various cities. So because I was going to be in a city anyway, I was able to say, look, I can come and do it. And then normally the organization would just provide the materials. Um, that was for the charities that I was working with. Um, but then um, when I'm working with corporations or some schools or some different organizations, um, they are able to provide materials. And there isn't that much of a cost. I mean, um, uh, it's I try and keep it to a minimum wherever possible, looking at the organization that I'm working with. And so far, I'm grateful that I have been able to um, – you, you um, uh, deliver the workshops in many institutions where they would not have been able to afford it, but I was able to assist in those ca in those cases. But it's a range; it's a range. But it is not extortionate at all. It really yeah. isn't. But at the same time, you deserve to get paid for your time and your effort. We have talked about how people don't want to pay for social good and social impact. So I just want to say, brands, corporate brands, should be paying you to do this, as well as you know the supplies, but you know, that's something that's important to all of us as well. So, and, and it seems like there is a real opportunity for, I, I consider Ato sort of a progressive brand only because of Neil and Antonio. I don't know. Ato's, well, I mean, I just know your team and I'm so impressed. I just don't know others. And so, um, but I, it seems very progressive to me. And so I'm just wondering um, how do we get, and maybe this is a question partially to Neil as well, but how do we get more brands to understand the value of this work? Because I think if we're coming in, you, you know, people want to understand uh, uh, just using the states, for example, the National Disability Employment Awareness Month, right? So we're always trying to do clever things, but having her come in and do these workshops mm -hmm. to just talk about how we experience art and mm -hmm. 
it just seems so powerful. But I was just curious, Neil, from your perspective as somebody that's supporting a brand, you know, do you agree that there, I mean, there's value for brands in doing this? Okay. So if I can yeah, maybe start so and give a bit more context as well, because the the workshop that Farah uh, led was the culmination of a bigger piece of um, stuff that Atos was doing around what we called our, our art of manufacturing exhibition. So we had uh, turned our, and it was touring, so it had been in Germany before, uh, and it came to London. And, and so we had various different artworks on display, and we turned you know, you know, a part of our offices into an art gallery, and we invited people in to understand and appreciate art, but also technology and, and, and how art was representing technology and how art and creativity played into how we conceptualize technology and everything else. So I, I think that the, the, it was useful for us as, as a brand to, to shift people's perspectives. Right? And then the, the workshop at the end is, a, is another shift again Okay. in terms of actually what you can do and what people's perspectives are, not just, you know, literal perspectives as in sighted, but in your mental perception of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that even though I've worked in the field for 20 plus years, I learned something new during that workshop. For me, I think what was really, really interesting to watch was a lot, of, a lot of the people that were participating had had sight at some point because not that many people are born with no sight. And so what what the experiences were triggering, first off, was memories and imagination. And so they were going back into themselves and bringing some of that out. So it was taking them to different places. And then, and we haven't got, uh, and we haven't really talked about the colour and perception piece yet, uh, or the creation piece, but the creation piece was really super interesting because then what they were doing was flipping that and having to create their own art. So we we didn't just appreciate art, the, the, the participants were with the support of the facilitators creating the art as well. And, and, and so for me, that taught me a few things. That, that taught me, um, you know, the the detail in which I needed to describe stuff, right? I'm aware of audio description. I've been working in accessibility, but doing it on the fly and also that fine line between facilitation and doing it for someone. Yeah. I think it's really, it was really interesting. And I was really, really conscious about trying not to turn it into my artwork because it wasn't my artwork. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's not about my taste. It's about what do you want? Mm. And, you know, how can I describe the hue and the tone and the, of the colours and, and the yeah. positioning on the, on the canvas and all of this kind of stuff? So I mm. thought it was, it was a really interesting exercise for, for both parties. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, Neil. And it was wonderful hearing the participants' reactions from the worksheets and in the day when we were all mm -hmm. sharing insights, but also from the volunteers' reactions. Because, I mean, some people were finding it quite humbling to, to, to watch somebody utilising their senses other than the sense of sight. Because when you have um, uh, 
suddenly, I mean, if, when you are utilizing all other senses, it actually is a lot more enhanced than people realize because you're thinking much more about the tactileness and the, the grooves and um, the sense of smell to a certain extent as well. But then the color recognition, we'll talk about that soon. But you're really focusing a lot more um, about what's going on. And that sometimes can be more intense whether more intense in comparison to if you're using the senses that you maybe sometimes take for granted. So um, one of the participants that we had at the workshop is was a sighted person, but he did the workshop with the blindfold on, and he was astounded by his experiences when he didn't have the, um, uh, he couldn't use the sense of sight, but everything else. And he was really surprised as to how intense it all was, how much he gathered and um, from the sensory aspect of what he was doing and how much he learned from the fact that he can do certain things without needing to rely on only one sense. We, I mean, you know, doors are opening for different parts of your imagination to be ignited when you shut down one of your senses. And we can all experience this. And I mean, working with Atos was a, a joy. You know, Tim Duggar was amazing. And Atos was very, very supportive um, in all, in you know, on all fronts, which I really appreciate. Um, and yeah, absolutely, Deborah, you're right. Because from what I share with the workshops, the insights, and when you experience uh, things from different perspectives, it just enables everybody to have um, a more of an in-depth approach to accessibility, uh, whether it's in design or services or whatever it is. Because if you can, if you can witness how people experience certain things, you have then the empowerment to think, oh yeah, you know, actually didn't think about it from that perspective. Let's try this. But it's just investing in better ways of making things accessible to all. Um, and I'm happy to um, work with corporations and organizations and, you know, to, to share insights because every workshop I learn something from people as well. Um, I love learning from people. I'm a very curious soul. And at the end of the day, we, it's a blessing to be able to learn from each other. But, yeah, no, it's, it's been a joy working with organizations so far. And I would think you, you need to get before the designers. Mm. So the designers need to do this. And yes. they need to do it over and over again. They need to do it when they're in college. They need to. Well, they do, though, because understand it, it. It's powerful to us as society for you to consider all of it. I mean, I wasn't thinking about how humid is. I mean, once again, Richard's got me thinking differently, but how humid is a is an art exhibit, you know, because and my son is an artist. And I remember he did a, a an installation. Anyway, mm -hmm. that still confuses me. But trying to pull in the different senses. It was fascinating to me, but mm -hmm. I don't think we do that deliberately enough. I'd yes. really like to see it more deliberate. Yeah, totally agree with you, Deborah. I mean, I've been to many installations or exhibitions where they focus on utilizing specific senses without using any of the others that you normally use. Mm -hmm. And it opens up doors. It really does. And you then are quite amazed at how you can be, reacting to certain things when you only utilize one specific sense we so, are amazing as humans and we don't fully utilize everything right and so are we being lazy to only use our eyesight for everything i don't want to use the word i don't know i don't want to use the l word right. yeah <laughs> you don't like that lazy word yeah are we not being creative no I, i'm gonna say this i i'm not gonna make you say it but i wonder if maybe i'm not being as creative as i could be I because think I what always it, rely on one sense more than yeah. 
what it is, Deborah, is we're all so busy. We are just like, you know, running around, living such a busy life. We don't, we don't know how amazing our bodies are um, and what we can do with our bodies and our minds. We just don't know because we're so busy, you know, rushing this and rushing that. Time is so scarce. It's a precious commodity. And that's the reason why we do things that are instantly accessible. You do that, do that, do that. You don't think, actually, if I stopped and smelt the roses, you know, I don't want to sound cheesy, but, you know, you do actually have a much more intense experience because you connect in different ways. You, you know, you're stopping and you're being in the moment. And because we don't really do much of that, we lose out on opportunities where we can really be immersed in many experiences and have so many other things, uh, so many other benefits mentally and physically because hormones are released. If we, if we immerse ourselves into experiencing something, say, for instance, art, um, we have uh, many hormones that are released because of the sense of touch um, and because of the instant connection that makes you feel happy, that um, makes you feel relaxed, lowers cortisol levels, etc. The list is endless. I'm not going to go into the specific details, but there is a huge list of benefits if we stop and do things in a different way and fully utilize what our human body can can do. That is so powerful. And I definitely want to talk to you about doing it for Billion Strong because this, I agree. I'm glad that Neil experienced this and then saw how valuable it was because it, it I think this is definitely a game changer. I really do. It seems easy, but I think this is a game changer. Well, so, so, so one thing for me, I mean, I, Farrell was talking about the, the, the sighted chap that was uh, participating and it was, it was fun for me because he was sat to my right and I was facilitating his friend to my left and he was really going for it. So the messiest bit of the room was, was where he'd been throwing paint at the canvas. He got it all over his trousers. Oh, I, I was having to sort of leap out of the way because of the drops <laughs> of paint going everywhere. Uh, and so he was really, really, you know, fully immersed in the mm. in the moment and the experience. So I thought that I thought that that was great. I, um, the other thing you, you did, you were talking about feeling color and, and, and the vibrations of color, which uh, various people felt to, to differing extents in terms of being able to sense the difference in sort of heat and dark and tone and stuff like that, which I thought was was really interesting. And, you know, I, I think everybody starts off pretty skeptical. Yeah. Um, and, and the room at the end of it was a lot less skeptical about it because quite a lot of people had sensed some kind of difference. Yeah. Um, some more than others. I have to say that I wasn't one that had the biggest sensations there, but, but, but clearly other people did. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that that was that was interesting because again we're using different senses and we're using different parts of our brain triggering synapses in a different way. Yep. And then if I can just comment on the thing you said about smelling the roses, <laughs> I, mean, I I take pictures of flowers and roses and stuff like that. So, um, but but one of the joys of doing that is is not the end result. Actually, it's the process of observation. And the framing, because it, you do, instead of just looking at it and passing by, you're up close, you're observing it, you're sort of going in depth, and you're actually seeing the, the beauty of nature in the way it's formed the petals and everything else. So I think that, that 
what you know being blessed with having a camera in your pocket because everybody's got uh, a phone with a great digital camera these days if you use it right it is immersing you in in the experience yeah so antonio put in the chat it's real emotion not the metaverse so mm -hmm. uh, i think that's you know it's it's really um appreciation of art yes helps you pull back from our day-to-day -day lives which is really really important it does. So, so could, yeah. could you tell us or tell our audience how they can reach you and get in touch with you if, if they would like you to run a workshop for them? Yeah, no, absolutely. So my website, um, uh, I'm sure you'll share the website, but do you want me, yeah. to, um, do you want me to say the website? Yes, please. Yes. Okay, so it's um, www.farasayedart.com um, and I'm on all social media um, my name is spelt in a in a different way, so you'll find me very easily. Um, my email is on my website as well. Um, you know, feel free to get in touch, and we can have a chat. But it's there's lots of different things to explore, um, and it's just really nice to be able to share these insights with people and open their minds up to a different way and a different approach for accessibility and enhancing it in many ways that are you know limitless. They really are. And when you see the positive impact. Um, on people when they experience workshops in all the different facets it's just heartwarming and after every workshop I feel so rich I feel well uh, full of wealth from these experiences and the positive energy that comes and the I get thank you emails um, after as well you know from people just sharing their responses and how they really felt you know so happy to be included and listened to which is empowering for all of us we all want to be listened to don't we um, but yeah, no. Um, one of the special things that's mentioned, Neil, is about the color recognition, being able to show people. Um, and this goes back to what we mentioned, Deborah, before, was um, that, uh, you know, because we don't, we're not really focusing on what our bodies can do, our minds can do, sharing the fact that we can actually all physically feel color is a wonderful skill to share. But people don't realize that we can do it because we're, as I said, living a very busy lifestyle. But color is vibrational energy, which we can feel. And it's wonderful to share that with people. And I love that. And I agree. I agree with you. But I, I've never ha heard anybody say it. But I um, thought that was true, but cool. Uh, yeah. So, so, so one last thing before we go, and I need to thank my clear text for helping keep us captioned. It's really important that we stay accessible. Um, was we, we had and some added experiences during our workshop because – I don't know what it is with me and my luck and, and, and events, but whenever we invite a bunch of, of people in for an accessible event, we have a fire alarm. And, and so, so we also learn how to safely evacuate a room full of blind and visually impaired people from a, from a, a large corporate building. So, nice. I mean, it's not the first time we've done it. but uh, Yeah, it was nice yeah. of him to arrange that fire drill right yeah. when. But, but, but what, was, what was gratifying was that the, the, the guy I was facilitating specializes in personalized evacuation plans. Oh, wow. And so before we started the workshop, we'd just been around and we'd done the peeps, as they're called, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> not thinking that we would ever have to put it into use. And then about 40 minutes later, the fire alarm went off. So so I think that, again, people didn't just get the art workshop. They then got to see a whole other side to the Adventure. 
I, I don't, I, and I don't think that was the first time. No, no, no. Well, we ran a, an event for Global Accessibility Awareness Day, and there was a fire in the basement. It sounds too much of a coincidence. Yes, um, I'm I wonder if you're in... testing out the procedures. <laughs> Yeah, the, the bright side that, that you end up networking with strangers while you go along to the... <laughs> yeah, well, it, luckily it wasn't raining, um, so that was fine. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, it was it was a really good event and, and it's been a great chat. So thank you very much, Farah. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for the invite and it's been a pleasure from my status too. Thank you. Bye.